Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Ahead on SportsCenter, did Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma do enough Saturday to do tonight what only one team in three years of college football playoff rankings has done? LeVar Ball doing his usual talking about Lonzo, but at this moment he may have bigger concerns when it comes to LiAngelo Ball. And was it Kyrie doing his Uncle Drew thing last night that put LeBron in the mood? More important, did the Eric Bledsoe trade put the Bucks, who are in Cleveland, tonight on par with the Cavs in the East? Uh, we'll cover all that and much more coming up on the 6, but we start on a sad note with the passing of one of only 18 pitchers to win multiple Cy Young Awards, but more important, a husband, father, friend, and teammate. Roy Halladay, a two-time Cy Young Award-winning pitcher and one of six to win the award in both leagues, has died in a plane crash in the Gulf of Mexico off Florida. He was 40. The Pasco County Sheriff's Office confirmed off earlier that Halladay's Icon A5 a small single-engine aircraft was reported down in the Gulf of Mexico at 12.06 p.m. Tuesday afternoon. Halliday was the only person on board. Halliday, who retired from baseball nearly four years ago, recently received his pilot's license and tweeted photos last month of himself standing next to his aircraft as part of the plane's marketing campaign. Many know Roy as a Cy Young winner, future Hall of Famer, one of the best pitchers ever pitched in the game of baseball. Um, we know Roy as a person, as a, a caring husband who loved his wife, Brandy. He loved his two boys tremendously. Uh, he coached their baseball teams. Uh, I could tell you when he spoke of his family, he spoke of pride. And I could tell you, Brandy and the boys and the entire family, we are so sad for your loss. And I can tell you, we are praying for you. We know you're a family of faith. And we just, our, our hearts and prayers go out to you. Okay, the Phillies released this statement a short time ago. We are numb over the very tragic news about Roy Halladay's untimely death. There are no words to describe the sadness that the entire Phillies family is feeling over the loss of one of the most respected human beings to ever play the game. It is with the heaviest of hearts that we pass along our condolences to Brandy, Ryan, and Brayton. Now, this is a Short little perspective on Roy Halladay's career. He was an eight-time All-Star in his 16-year career with Toronto and Philly. He went. Uh, he had a record, rather, of 203 and 105 with a 3.33 career ERA. He's one of six pitchers to win the Cy Young Award in both leagues and owns one of Major League Baseball's 23 perfect games. And with that, we welcome in Tim Kirchin. Tim, how will you remember Roy Halladay? Well, I'll remember him as a great pitcher and a future Hall of Famer, and I'll remember him as one of the hardest-working players I've ever been around. Ten years ago, I walked into the Blue Jays' clubhouse three and a half hours before a game. Greg Zahn, one of the catchers, was in there, and I asked where Roy Halladay was, and he said, he's over there, he said. Zahn said, I got here at 1.30 in the afternoon, and he was in a pool of sweat when I got here. That's how hard Halliday always worked, and that hard work got him 203 wins and a 659 winning percentage. He won two Cy Youngs, and in 2010, he threw a perfect game, and then in the postseason, 
He threw a no-hitter, joining Don Larson as the only two pitchers ever to throw a no-hitter or a perfect game in the postseason. And after that 2010 season, he had a replica uh, Cy Young Award made for his catcher, Carlos Ruiz. And that who that's who Roy Halladay is, a great pitcher and an even better teammate. I appreciate your thoughts, Tim Kirch and Roy Halladay, eligible for induction into Cooperstown in 2019. All right. Uh, well, Oklahoma pulled off one of the biggest wins of the weekend with this victory over Oklahoma State behind Baker Mayfield's school record 598 passing yards, which boosted him to being the Heisman favorite in Las Vegas. Now, the question is whether Oklahoma's performance is enough to get them into the top four when the rankings are revealed in less than an hour right here on ESPN. But for now, here's my top six for what it's worth. Uh, I do have Oklahoma in my top four, also Bama, Georgia, Notre Dame. And Clemson in Miami, and if there were a top eight or ten, <laughs> I would have Wisconsin at number seven. What about you, Mike? Um, Clemson, I keep saying this, they have the worst loss but the best excuse, and they'd be considered the best team if Kelly Bryant weren't concussed against Syracuse. So I got Clemson in my top three after winning at NC State and Notre Dame also beat NC State but in South Bend. I got Oklahoma five and Miami six. We have Reese Davis and David Pollock with us. Let's go back to Oklahoma. Start with you, David. Should Oklahoma be in the top four tonight? No, I don't think they should. Now, um, you ask any of those teams on your list or any on our list if they want to play Oklahoma and they want to play against that offense. <laughs> the answer is probably no. Because nope, that offense, I got news for you, that offense would score 30 on Bama. And I know people go, oh, my Ooh. God, seriously? All right, the the offense is, is really good. So I, I would still consider the top four teams from a week ago, the top four teams in Oklahoma just at five. Same order? Same order. Okay, yeah. I just Same moved Clemson ahead of Notre Yeah, Dame I, I would agree with that, too. Oklahoma last weekend, Lee Corso and I were on the sidelines and still water watching the game. So, Oklahoma State scores a touchdown in tight quarters there at Boone Pickens Stadium. We like to walk with the ball. We tried to walk to the other end of the field. We only made it to the 50-yard line before Oklahoma scored going <laughs> the other way. Yeah. I said, let's just let's find a good place, sweetheart, and stay where we are and watch them run up and down the field. I, I agree with David. I don't have them in the top four right now, and I don't expect them to be there tonight because their offense is the best in the country by a long shot, and their defense isn't. And last year, Kirby Hocutt told us, in different committee, I understand, different members, one of the reasons that their conference championship didn't trump some of the other issues was because their defense wasn't championship caliber. So I and, and it's right. still not right now. But, now. but they may end up being Big 12 champion, one loss, and, and that would be enough. Win. I that think we both would agree that yeah. would be enough yeah. to put them to put them in the final four if they sure. do that. So Why they run the table. Top four now. You had, in fairness, you had them in your four last week. I did have them in the four last week. Mm-hmm. Body of work. Uh, granted, look, I'll be the first to admit the Ohio State win looks a little differently uh, today than it did maybe a, a couple of weeks ago. But I, I think they've done enough, and I think Clemson, especially with how they at times struggled this past weekend against NC State, and I know what you said about the loss to Syracuse, but it's still a bad loss. So we're splitting hairs at this point, so I, sure. I, I definitely understand that. More importantly, you guys will be in Miami, right, for game day? We will. Yeah, yeah Notre Dame and Miami. So, who, you're going to give us a little hint about who the guest is? I decided it should be A-Rod and J-Lo, but, th- I mean. That would with, be the all, we, 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 <laughs> with the turnover We would take that. Uncle Luke. Uncle Luke, I mean, Luther Campbell. You guys, uh, I we, think that would be choice number one, list? wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, what it would about, have to be. No, Only if you can so. bring the Luke dancers on the set. Why don't we just troll them and go with, like, Rocket Ismail or Tony Rice or something like that. Just troll them a little bit. Well, Reese has a say in this. I do not. So, I'll just. I got as much say. Y'all. Okay. So I'll just stay over here in the corner and be quiet. 
what? Well, Reese, say Reese say we off. should go to Miami with you. Yeah. <laughs> they should go to Miami with us. They should be live from Live. That's yeah. just me. They should be live from Miami. Oh, I'm sorry. I went too far. I went too far. Meanwhile, thank you, fellas. We'll see y'all later at 7 o'clock. Three UCLA men's basketball players, including Leangelo Ball, younger brother of Lonzo and second son of LeVar, along with freshman Cody Riley and Jalen Hill, were arrested on shoplifting charges in China ahead of Friday's season-opening game against Georgia Tech in Shanghai. UCLA released a statement saying, we are aware of a situation involving UCLA student-athletes in China. The university is cooperating fully with local authorities on this matter, and we have no further comment at this time. Uh, Jeff Goodman, what can you tell us in addition to that as the man who broke this story? Well, Jello Ball is the middle son uh, of LeVar Ball. He's a freshman at UCLA. I actually sat down with him about 10 days ago, and they're on that trip in China where they're going to play against Georgia Tech on Friday. And I was told by a source that those three players, all freshmen, uh, were arrested after stealing from a Louis Vuitton store uh, right next to their team hotel. And basically what happened was about 20 uh, police officers stormed into the team hotel uh, at about 8 in the morning, yesterday morning, interrogated the players from both Georgia Tech, three players, UCLA, three players, for hours, wouldn't let any of the coaches in, uh, and basically used some, some strong words of, hey, if you don't tell us the truth, you are not going back home. So eventually UCLA, I was told their players did tell them the truth and uh, they were arrested. And it will be interesting to see what happens to those players. And if they uh, certainly they're not going to play Friday night, but the bigger issue they have is uh, how long they're going to be in jail and uh, when they're going to be able to go home. So they're currently being held. They're, They're in jail right now in China. They were well as of now. Again, it's it's the middle of the night. It's actually early in the morning right now. So as of uh, a couple hours ago, I was told they were being held. And again, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens next with these guys. And Levar Ball uh, scheduled to go out uh, for this trip to see his son play his first college game at UCLA. I've tried to call Levar and uh, haven't been able to get a hold of him yet. But it'll. Uh, Again, you know, this is uh, kind of a crazy situation because if you get caught here, it's one thing. If you get caught stealing in China, who knows what's going to happen to these kids? Wow, developing bizarre stories. So three UCLA players, including Langelo Ball, detained in China for shoplifting. Jeff Goodman with the latest. Keep us posted, man. Pretty intriguing. I'm curious why you're so curious. NBA trade. Uh, the Suns traded Eric Bledsoe to the Bucks for center Greg Monroe, a 2018 protected first round and 2018 protected second round pick. The two teams reached a deal on Monday night for the Suns. This means getting rid of a player who had been sent home after literally sending the message he didn't want to be there. At the salon. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, the Bucks will get an additional playmaker for the Greek freak at a time when the team has lost four of his last five games to drop to four and five. Now, Bledsoe is not expected to play against the Cavs tonight, but he will join the team in San Antonio tomorrow for their game against the Spurs on Friday. We welcome in the man who broke the story, Woj. Uh, tell us, Woj, how this deal came together. Uh, they've been talking, Jamel, for two weeks since the Suns sent Eric Bledsoe away. Milwaukee's had a significant interest in getting another playmaker for Giannis, and they were willing uh, to give that first-round pickup, but not one of their really good young players, Malcolm Brogdon, who is the reigning rookie of the year. They kept him out of the deal, uh, but ultimately, uh, 
Phoenix talked to several teams, but the, I think the Bucks were the most determined to get a deal done for Bledsoe. So all things considered, did the Suns make out as best as possible, given how much they had you know, driven down the value with some of the public comments and how he obviously wanted out? Did they make out as best they could getting Greg Monroe in those two picks? You know, I don't know that their public comments drove down the value as much as maybe these two factors, that Bledsoe's had two knee surgeries uh, in 2014 and 15, uh, and also the fact that the Suns played so well after Bledsoe left, they brought in a, a, rook, a 27-year-old rookie, Mike James, who helped them to start winning games on the road. I think for Bledsoe and Milwaukee, their motivation was, again, to get that playmaker uh, with Giannis and Phoenix. They're in a complete re- rebuild now. With a first-round pick, they have potentially three first-rounders in the 2018 draft and as many as seven first-rounders between now and in 2021. All right, let's see what they do with him. Woj, we appreciate the time, man. Good job. LeBron, this shooting around for personal reasons, seemed to take Kyrie's performance personally, posting this angry Arthur meme in his <laughs> IG with the caption, Move. So the time in the post, it seemed to coincide with Kyrie coming through in the crunch for the Celtics with 12 of the Celtics last 17 in a season at 35 as Boston won its ninth straight, beating a Hawks team to whom the Cavs lost the day before. LeBron tweeted this morning that it's a fresh day, and a fresh start. Uh, Dave McMenamin, what's your read on what had the King terribly vexed last night, and how bad a move will he be in should they lose again tonight? Yeah, I mean, that's what we have to actually talk about right here. The Cavs record being 4-6. and six. Wow, LeBron is having maybe his finest season in certain statistical categories. Shooting 60% from the field, career-high PER of 32.1. I mean, the guy is playing as well as he can play, we can try to read the tea leaves on the mood uh, Instagram post. He's already diffused it by kind of mocking himself with Instagram post, a compilation of all the times throughout his career he's had a clenched fist. There will be reasons for consternation if the Cavs continue to lose. There will be reasons for a bad mood if they continue to lose. Um, let's see what LeBron actually has to say about it for himself post game and Perhaps if he puts up a great performance and the Cavs win, that won't be the, the thing on the top of people's mind. That's his secret, mm-hmm. Captain. He's always angry. Thank you, Dave McMenamin. Honestly, this is the first time I can honestly say I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see it on social media. What happened? Was he angry or something? <laughs> <laughs> what the speculation is. It was about five minutes after the Celtics beat the Hawks. Oh. Well, I can see that. This is what McMenamin was talking about. See, LeBron played too much. <laughs> I'm not playing his game. Right. I'm not playing his game. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not. You know, because first of all, he can't be. He can't be so. He can't be naive enough to think that posting this five minutes after Kyrie goes off and the Celtics win the ninth straight, that people won't read into that that he's somehow frustrated to see Kyrie flourish. Why would he give people less satisfaction? to say, oh, I'm upset because we're struggling and Kyrie Celtics without Gordon Hayward are doing so well. And now he comes back today and make, mocks the whole thing, makes a joke out of it. It's like, I'm not, I'm not giving in my time and my energy. I have zero you know what's to give about his mood and his Arthur meme. So you know what? 
I'm done with it. Well, we spent way too much time on this as it is. Well, trying to figure out. But what he it's thinks. not our fault though, because he's. Yeah, yeah he, it is. No, it's not. Because he knows that he, entry point. He knows that if he posts something, we're gonna spend all day dissecting it. Yeah, because he's given us some some meat. All right, as you said, I don't know why he would give people the satisfaction. He had to know people were gonna put two and two together. He knows. He watches a lot of ball, so I does. can see why people would. And he and the way that they're playing, if the Cavs are playing better, I don't think we get the angry Arthur meme. But it, it's like seeing your ex flourish, like nobody. Everybody wants to see that, right? Speak okay. for yourself. I'm not fair. <laughs> well, everybody isn't. I know someday you'll have a beautiful life. <laughs> I know you'll be a star in somebody else's sky. Why couldn't it be mine? Who knows? But he kept calling the kid. And he moved on. They made a good trade. It hasn't worked out so far. IT hasn't come back. Maybe he was upset because, remember, don't he and uh, Eric Bledsoe share representation? They do. Maybe he was upset because the Bucks are going forward in the Eastern Conference and made an aggressive move. Maybe he was upset because somebody, you know, erased something off his DVR. Who the hell knows? <laughs> I know it can be a, a little tricky trying to judge his moods, if you will. But, look, I get it. LeBron, he doesn't take losing light, lightly. And certainly, I'm sure he had much higher and bigger expectations than how they've started. It's one thing if you get to that point in the season where, you know, it happens to a lot of NBA teams, especially the good ones get a little bored. It becomes harder and harder with each game as the season goes on. It kind of wears on you a little bit. But when you start off the way that they have, and especially what we had that stat yesterday about no team has made the finals, or the last team to have made the finals getting off to this bad of a start was the 81 Rockets. He knows what it looks like when it comes to winning and when it comes to developing into a championship team. And they don't look anything like that. So if I were him, I'd be upset as well. You, I think as much I don't I don't know if it has as much to do with Kyrie okay. as it has to do with how the Cavs are playing. Well, that's fair. And I, and speaking of stats, I think we got a, a, a glimpse at how the other half lives. Like just a comparison. Can we throw that up on the screen real quick? We got a comparison because it's really on the defensive end is where it's gotta be frustrating right. if you're LeBron. You know you're missing firepower with IT, and things haven't quite come together with Rose and Wade and that sort of thing. But defensively, the Celtics have the best defense in the league with Kyrie Irving. You know what I mean? And, and, it, that, probably, and it probably doesn't help that Kyrie seems to enjoy at every opportunity taking subtle digs at his old team. Okay, when he talks about how he's glad he's glad to be on an intellectual level and all these other things. The only it's way if you're LeBron James, you're looking at this and you're upset at seeing your ex do well. The only the only way you're upset is if you feel like there was something you could have done differently or something you did wrong to drive him away. I don't think LeBron is lamenting and pining for Kyrie Irving. Yeah, they may miss his offensive prowess right now, but I, I just find it hard to believe that LeBron James, of all people, would go from, hey, I wish the kid well, this, that, and the other, strive for greatness to being jealous because no, he's doing well. No, I don't think it's a well. jealousy thing. It might be an ego thing, whereas everybody's called Kyrie crazy for wanting to leave LeBron. Good for him, by the way. Exactly. And everybody thought he was crazy and everybody said, how dare you want to leave King James and all this. Yeah, that was I mean, me. Yeah. You don't have to say everybody. Okay. Just, you, you yeah. Michael Smith. Yeah, but there are yeah. a lot of people who agree with you. And the young man wanted his own path. Yeah, all right? Man. I won't say own team. He wanted his own path. So after Penn State and Ohio State both lost over the weekend, that left Wisconsin who pummeled Indiana to remain undefeated as the Big Ten's best hope to make the college football playoff. But even that is no gimme. As of now, the Badgers' best win is over Northwestern. Now, they do have Iowa, Michigan, and Minnesota remaining, and presumably either Michigan State or Ohio State in the Big Ten title game. With that being said, though, Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez, who spent the past three seasons on the selection committee before his term expired, he told Heather Dinich, there's no part of me that says if you go undefeated as a Power Five and win your conference championship and you're not going to be in the Final Four, I don't see that. That would shock me. Well, Kirk Herbstreet, <laughs> give us some insight here, especially as it pertains to Wisconsin. Are they not getting enough respect? Number one, I love Alvy. 
Uh, let me start by saying that. But i gotta, I got to just tell you that we did not create the playoff to be fair. We created the playoff to get the best four teams in college football into the playoff. Fair and if they happen picks. to be from the same conference, <laughs> then, then if they're from the same conference, then they're from the same conference. If they're not, it's not, hey, everybody gets a trophy, you're a power five, then you need to be in the playoff. That's not what this thing is about. And just so everybody's – because sometimes it just feels like people are confused. If you're a power five, you should go into the playoff. There's five power fives and only four spots. And then if you add Notre Dame potentially into this mix, there's only three spots. So two Two potential teams of Power 5 champions are left out because of Notre Dame. So I don't think it's a automatic, hey, we won our conference, we're undefeated, we have to be in there. It, it, to me, that doesn't seem fair either. So it should be about the best four teams based on how the committee evaluates that, period. Right. And if it's a team undefeated Wisconsin, then so be it. But you don't get it because you're undefeated. You should not be in because you're undefeated. All right, so the committee of Kirk Herbstreit, give us your six going into tonight. Uh, my, my what? My, my your six top teams? Six. Yeah, your, your top six right now. Uh, for me, Alabama's still at the top. They've had a lot of injuries, but I would still put them uh, kind of like 1A and 1B uh, over Georgia. Georgia's right there. Huge game this week for Georgia uh, at Auburn. I'd put them there. I'd put Notre Dame at three right now. Big test. We just, you know, we talk about the Notre Dame-Miami game. Uh, four for me is still Clemson. They got tested last week but found a way to win on the road. So those would be my top four. Uh, my next four. Two, like the next two to jump in, yep. would be Oklahoma sitting there with Baker Mayfield, and the next would be the Miami Hurricanes. I, I had a chance to go down and, and watch Miami, and even though they haven't up to this point maybe played their best football last weekend against their best opponent, uh, they played their best game, which sets up this weekend with Notre Dame. Uh, could not have come at a better time for both these teams. All right, you and I have the identical same six. Kirk, we'll see if the committee agrees at the top of the hour uh, on ESPN, and we'll get your reaction. You pull up on the buses and everyone's wearing their T-shirts. Convicts versus Catholics. I, I kind of got a kick out of it. We got it. I mean, we had earned that reputation with some of our past behavior. <laughs> I'm walking into the stadium and a young man was selling these. He recognized me. He said it was my gift. Then when I got upstairs, I turned around and I looked at this and I said, oh my goodness, the Catholics versus the convicts. Yeah, you stay up late, rewatch Catholics versus Convicts tonight at 11.30 Eastern on ESPN2. That 88 matchup won a four in a row in which Miami and Notre Dame met as AP top 10 teams, something they'll do on Saturday for the first time since 1990. Right now, though, right about now, our QTNA ND at UM edition. We got Coley Harvey with the Irish freezing his butt off. <laughs> Andrea Adelson is with the Canes. Yeah, she couldn't look any more warm. Right. About nice juxtaposition <laughs> there. <laughs> now, as we know, Miami has won 13 straight. Dating back to an October 29th, uh, 2016 loss at South Bend. Here's some interesting comments, though, from Hurricanes linebacker Shaq Quarterman. After Tuesday's practice, we all know that we can't lose to them last year. Last year happened, and we didn't come out with the results we wanted. But this year, we can't lose to them. It's just the standard that was set before us. So, Andrea, uh, how is the youth stressing the significance of this rivalry to the younger players? Well, Mark Richt, all he has to do is go back to his own playing career when he played at Miami. He played Notre Dame. 
and he told us all about the heartbreak he felt when you when they lost at South Bend. But they're bringing in maybe a more contemporary player to talk to this team. It's Ed Reed, Ooh. honorary captain. Now, he may not have ever played against Notre Dame, but he knows what it takes to play in big games, and boy, does he know how to give a motivational speech. Let's go back to 2001. I'm hurt, dog. Halftime <laughs> against Florida State. That one still lives on as one of the best motivational speeches ever given. He was at practice today. He was in defensive meetings today. And Mark Richt is looking forward to reading off his resume once he introduces him to the team formally Friday night as the honorary captain. Definitely uh, needs no introduction to Noel's part. One of they my top five players if regardless they don't know who Ed Reed is. Oh, my goodness. Shame on him. <laughs> All right. Uh, Coley, what are the Irish saying about this rivalry renewed? Guys, it is completely different in South Bend. Yes, it is also colder in South Bend. I'm wearing gloves and Andrea isn't. But as far as this game, they're trying to focus on this season. And they're also specifically trying to focus on getting better after last week. The Irish didn't feel like they had the full uh, defensive performance that they really wanted to have out of the, the win over uh, over Wake Forest. It finished a lot closer than they, they had hoped it would. Uh, but, but, but right now, the focus is, is trying to improve off of that and not even thinking about the history. I actually had that question for Brian Kelly earlier today I said how do you, you know, how do you walk that line between having the tradition wanting your players to know about the history of this matchup and then just playing this game and he said look you just you, you know that they're probably going to know about the history because that's part of the reason you come to Notre Dame but you don't want them focusing on that they want to just focus on the game itself they, they know that right now they are in elimination territory as a lot of players have told me this is a playoff scenario now from here on out any game you lose, you're probably out of the college football playoffs, so they certainly want to make sure they get this big win. But again, no focus on the tradition. It's the focus on just this one game. Way to focus on your reporting and not the elements. Go ahead and get inside, bro. <laughs> he was like the Pied Piper to uh, defiant young athletes. Being that cool, crazy, say what you want, do what you want, live this lifestyle, and believe me, he was living the lifestyle. As a kid growing up watching Ric Flair, he was very inspirational to myself and a lot of other hip-hop artists because he represented what we wanted to be. We wanted to be Ric Flair. We wanted to be flamboyant and, you know, to kiss Dylan, willing and Dylan. We wanted to be all of that. He was a part of our culture and our life. That's why we love him and we cherish him. And we, we've always held him high in the black community because Ric is one of us. I wanted to strut like him. I wanted to robe like him. I wanted to go woo like him. I'm so excited for Ric Flair to be joining us now uh, ahead of the 30 for 30 documentary uh, Nature Boy that is premiering tonight. Now, Rick, we all know that you went through a very significant health scare in August uh, where you weren't given much of a chance for survival. What do you remember about that experience and what has the recovery process been like? <clears throat> well, the recovery progress has been uh, it's been tough. I um you know, was in life support for 10 days. And uh, when I finally came out of the coma, I couldn't walk. I couldn't even open a bottle of Gatorade or a can of Diet Coke. So um, I could stand up. So they uh, had to go to a, um, a physical rehab uh, institution or whatever you would call it, um, facility um, for um, to learn how to, you know, be, to get all my, all my physical... Um, attributes whatever I have going for me back in place and working but I'm fine now um, I lost 43 pounds 
So I was at 206, and I couldn't gain a pound. And the doctor said, and I ate everything, he said, it's because so much damage to the inner structure, internal organs, that it's going to take a while. But now I'm back up at 224. I feel great. Um, and I, I just feel like I've uh, I paid the price for the way I lived. And I, you know, I take full responsibility. I'm just glad that I'm here and thanking God. And uh, you guys, I mean, today I've had Molly, Carrie, and now I've got Jamil. What kind of a day? Is, what kind of a day is like that for the Nature Boy? Huh? <laughs> yeah, no. Look, it's, it's just as much of a, a treat. <laughs> Forget for... about Michael. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He, he's just gonna be quiet. I know out. a player when I see one. <laughs> game uh, recognized game. <laughs> uh, now, uh, Rick, what do you hope that people take away um, from what they learned from this uh, documentary tonight? Well, I hope they uh, appreciate um, just how hard it is to be a professional wrestler. Um, it's a very tough, insensitive sport. Um, obviously, the conditions are 10 times better now than when I was in my prime. And our wellness program and their very concussion, uh, they, they worry about stuff like that. I mean, they have medical doctors that travel, not just trainers, but doctors that travel with the kids when they're overseas and go to every live event. So it's a much more supervised, more, more, more constructed uh, business than when I was in it. And I, I hope that they, they look back and say, wow, what he did, he must have needed a drink at <laughs> 11 o'clock. And hopefully I was in Atlanta or Chicago until <laughs> the bars were open late because basically I wrestled an hour every night for at least uh, 12 years. Yeah, wow. that's why Hulk Hogan called you. And that's you. a lot. Twice it- since... It is a lot, and that's why Hulk Hogan said you were 10 times more talented than him. Um, look, we're looking forward to seeing this documentary. On my bucket list uh, of items you. is a Ric Flair robe. One of these days, I'm going to own one, that's for sure. I love the pink. It, was always, it always looked great on you. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Take care. Uh, thank you, guys. Hey, thank, thanks for all the respect, guys. You got it. All right, so Tony Dungy took to Twitter earlier today to correct Bob Kravitz of WTHR.com's column that Jim Mersey said the following directly to Dungey, Dungey, rather just in general as it relates to Andrew Luck continuing recovery from all-season shoulder surgery. The Andrew Luck situation, though, that was I don't big. know what's going on there. I really don't. And is he going to play? Jim Mersey made a comment about six weeks ago. You know, it's inside his head now and then now you're hearing that it's been 25 months and he's wait it's inside Lux's head yeah he said that um maybe when i i guess when i was up there for peyton's uh ceremony they don't give me cortisone shots for mental soreness no they don't and okay. we all know andrew Lux's injury history he's played through a lot which requires mental toughness and you know what the last person that i want to psychoanalyze anybody is franklin jim Mercer. yeah i don't know the upside and questioning there is the quarterback none. there is not unless you go trade him unless you go get rid of him yeah <laughs> you know I mean? like plenty of teams would take i can him understand right maybe being frustrated um by his injury recovery but how is that andrew Lux's fault and i'm sure part of it is mental you know what doesn't help putting added pressure on him as if he doesn't want to be out there Well, to and not with. to mention there's always a lot of questions or have been a lot of questions about how the Colts have handled Andrew Luck in general yeah. with the poor offensive line play and keeping him out there when he was injured. Our girl, Miko Grimes, uh, she was uh, on The Breakfast Club this morning. Could have been her debut. <laughs> Match made in heaven. It is, isn't it? Uh, she said that the Raiders offensive lineman purposely let Derek Carr get sacked during their week four game against the Redskins. 
following a fight in the locker room pregame over the anthem protest. Now, many Raiders since have come out and denied this claim. Uh, Donald Penn, Marquette King, they both called her out on Twitter, which I'm telling you, fellas, is not smart to do, not with this one. You know, I don't know. I don't know what to say here. Look, the Raiders, you do kind of have to to take them at their word. They know better than most of us. But I, I guess I, I'm. I, I guess there's a part of me that never puts anything past anyone. I just look with all due respect to Miko and her sources. I just find it to be an insulting accusation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have differences, but to put your own livelihood at risk by allowing a fellow teammate to get hurt, I don't think players would stoop that low over anything. Uh, meanwhile, yeah, Draymond Green. Never one to miss an opportunity to troll. Right. That's in reference to LeBron's mood. Warriors always in a good mood because uh, they're the Warriors. Right. So. And the, another great win last night over at Miami where he was, I think, trolling Hassan Whiteside again during the game. Yeah, who ended this up is, getting benched. This is just what Draymond does. Um, you know, him and, him and LeBron, I think they're a lot friendlier than – They're business partners. They are. And so this is I, – I consider to be part of their – Part of their 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 spiel. This is why the NBA is the best, man. Yeah. Like these players, they, they get it. They like comments. They comment even on the original LeBron. Kyrie, we, had, I think we had Wade and, and IT comment. They yeah. all they all get it on the act. They they play the game well. Speaking of players, <laughs> Bango, the Bucks mascot. Forget Eric Bledsoe. Look at this Twitter game. Find someone who looks at you the way Beyonce looks at me. Probably wasn't looking at you, but that's a hell of a shot right there. No, it's not. And look, you can always have that in his Hall of Fame file, if you will, to say, look. Who was the player that, was it it Beyonce or Rihanna? There was a player. It might have been LeBron. It was was LeBron. Was it Beyonce? They kept getting her at certain angles, but she wasn't looking at him like that. All right. uh, Despite Lonzo Ball averaging the most minutes per game on the Lakers, LeBron thinks he should be playing more, especially in the fourth quarter. He said, let him play the whole fourth quarter and bet you'll always win. He'll get into a better flow. So that's why he can't shoot right now? I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, the, the numbers, they never lie. I know, they I, speak for themselves. No, I, yeah. stay in your lane. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm serious. Like, I mean, like, okay, it's, on, one thing, it's one thing to go at a high school coach. It's one thing to go at Steve Alford. It's the big time. Right. This is Luke Walton. This is not. We knew uh, this was going to happen. No, we could have set our watch to it. He was going to complain. Think this, I thought he knew He better. was going to insert himself I thought he knew better into this to story. Go no, on a head coach this of is the just Los Angeles Lakers. I don't even think the Lakers take this seriously. They're like, eh, okay, water is wet. Who cares? We are just minutes away, as you can see, <laughs> uh, from the rankings reveal here on ESPN. Marcus Spears joins us now, the big swagoo. So prior to the initial rankings, man, you had oh, Notre Dame. We, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> we got receipts. Right. I knew Notre it. Notre Dame fifth, Ohio State third. The Buckeyes lost. So this week you got Notre Dame third, leapfrogging Clemson at four. Why? Because the committee said so, Mike. That's why. <laughs> Look, man. I, 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 they, they got the W over NC State, man. They've been impressive. Uh, Clemson was impressive as well last week. But I got to give Notre Dame their credit. I thought North Carolina State uh, defense was as close as possible to what Georgia did to them. Georgia only gave up 50 yards rushing to Notre Dame. The rest of the way, they've been averaging like 330 on see, everybody. So, see, you said I got to give them kudos. You said the committee said so, but I don't see you putting Georgia number one. Right. You well, still got Bama on number one. We we differ on some stuff, Mike. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fine for people to disagree. I was, I was actually at the Bama LSU game, man. They, they look good, but there are some concerns, brother. They've lost four linebackers, which – could become an issue. Mississippi State won't be an easy game because of Fitzgerald and what he does. But at the end of the day, Mike, I'm not in the room. I don't ever <laughs> want to be in the room. The room has nothing to do with me, and I have nothing to do with the room. <laughs> not in the room where it happens, huh? Exactly. All right, All right Spears, we appreciate you, man. 
All right, family. Take right. care. Another person that really uh, has lifted me up and that I've been in touch with is Kobe. And he sent that Instagram post and um, he's emailed me a couple times too and just talked about attacking each day, setting many goals. And, you know, that's, that's my mindset. Like, how can I get better with my ankle today? You know, be better today than I was yesterday. And I think if I slowly work like that, it'll be, you know, I'll be back before I know it. How many people wrote them off when he went down minutes into the season? Yeah, They're still doing well. Those, you know, Tatum and Brown have stepped up. Best in his recovery, and he seems in good spirits. When he comes back, my goodness. Yeah, and, and I think for the younger players, this has been great for them to get this experience, uh, why he hasn't been there. And so by the time he's there and they're sort of fully loaded, uh, this is going to be just a, a deadly, deadly team. They're Can you read this next one, please? See, because I know you put this in here. Please. The Sixers are over 500. I need you to say what you For the chest. first time since November of 2013 and are going for their fifth straight win tonight against the Jazz. Ben Simmons is averaging 18 points, 9.8 rebounds, and 8.2 assists. No Embiid for uh, <laughs> load maintenance, I think they called it, right? Great fantasy football name, I think. That's okay, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you just, Still getting that so and are we Every have, time. Are we going yes. to have a every daily time, Sixers Every box time store. the Sixers do anything of significance. And I'm going to bring that same energy. Unlike you with Michigan State, I'm bring that same energy if they have a setback because I trust the process. So between this and Greek Freak, we are. We are the people that I told you to come correct on. Matthew Stafford, who oh, long ago dubbed Bob Jay Cutler. Okay. 300 for the third straight game. Two touchdowns, both to Marvin Jones. Beat the heck out of the Blitz. Yeah. And did. this celebration, this is Steelers-esque. <laughs> The Steelers, I, Tag what was you still got? better. Tag was still what better. What you got? I mean, Rock'em Sock'em and playing the video game? So, I, I'm supposed to be excited about the Lions beating a Aaron Rodgers Packers team. Are you from Detroit or not? I, I just, look. You put on for the deal now. Meanwhile, uh, Kato Kalen, not happy with his Packers. He tweeted, after a bi-week, Packers must fire McCarthy and Capers. Two weeks to prep. It's a joke. This team is so vomit-filled. Vomit-filled. Fire Ted Thompson now, too. Snotty. Who knew Cato was so fired up And he lost Brian Balaga to a torn ACL. Yeah, uh, that's a big, big loss. They only lost Aaron Rodgers. Like, how much do you expect? You know what I mean? Well, I know what I expect is for them to actually allow Brett Hundley to throw more than five yards. Before we call it a day, who had a good day? Uh, The Vikings. They will add Teddy Bridgewater to the 53-man roster by tomorrow while discussing whether to play Sam Bradford or an injured reserve. Mort says Bridgewater is expected to serve as the backup to Case Keenum on Sunday, but the team is optimistic that Bridgewater, coming back from it, dislocating his knee uh, at last August, can effectively become the starter again. Wow. wow. All right. Shout out to Juju Smith-Schuster. Forget he's so young. Got his driver's license. Says he's keeping his bike. Take it from us, kid. It's overrated. Driver's license is way overrated. The responsibility now comes with it. Our responsibility is done. That's it for the six. Sports Center continues on ESPN2 with continuing coverage of the tragedy that costs Roy Doc Halliday his life at the age of 40. That's on ESPN2. Condolences to his family and teammates. As for ESPN, the college football playoff top 25 is next. We'll see y'all tomorrow.